Thank you for joining our Transform 365 podcast, a discipleship and teaching ministry of SWCC. We pray this teaching helps you to grow in your journey with Christ. We have some great resources available for you on Transform365.com webpage. Feel free to download discipleship materials, small group teaching, as well as peruse our training workshops. Also take time to visit www.swcc.org for videos, teaching, and more. We thank you for listening and your support. We'd love to hear from you. So use our contact page and drop us a line. Now for our podcast teaching. Welcome to the Transform 365 podcast. Once again, I'm joined with my co-host, Pastor John and Jeff Birch. And today we are talking once again on repentance. Now, uh, if you joined us in the last, we were talking a lot of the etymology of the word and how it has developed over time. And we're going to develop that thought just a little bit more. Uh, because really we stuck a lot to the biblical aspect of the definition of repentance. And really, if, if, if you guys would agree with me, what we kind of ended with and all agreed with is that we need to let Scripture be the guide of the definition. Amen. Correct. Yeah. That's absolutely correct. So I, as Always. John and I uh, and Chip were talking yeah. just before we got out of this uh, into the podcast, uh, John brought up a great point, which is we shouldn't be dogmatic in our definition of repentance. Because if we're letting Scripture be what guides our definition, then it's going to change based on the Scripture that we're reading. Right? Wouldn't we agree on that? I agree. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think that uh, you know we, we come to an understanding that Scripture needs to be our guide. Uh, but where I think we need to understand is where in the world then did the current definition repentance or repent to repent come from? Right? Where did this word repentance come from and when did it become a part of our vocabulary? today. And so I think that's where we'll take off from in our uh, podcast on repentance. But before we get into that, Pastor Chip, I again want to say it's it's a honor to have you part of the podcast today. And I know that you have spent a lot of time studying this very topic. Um, Pastor Chip is a conference speaker. He has written many articles in the past. Uh, conference speaker, um, he was a pastor of Southwest Community Church for 27 years. Um, he served in the mission field to Mexico. Uh, in fact, his, uh, his oldest son, which is uh, blonde-haired, uh, blue-eyed, well, he used to have blonde hair, but uh, <laughs> he uh, was born in Mexico. He's probably the uh, least Mexican-looking Mexican that's <laughs> ever been born in Mexico. But... Um, yeah. We are, it it is a joy and a pleasure and an honor to have you be a part of our podcast today. And uh, just again, Pastor Chip, we thank you for being part. Thank you, guys. So, Pastor Chip. Yep. Where did the word repentance come from? How did it become part of our modern day vocabulary? Because if you go out there and you say the word repentance, most people understand what you're talking about, but this wasn't always the case. So, no. you know, what was the development, I guess well, you would say? I would say there's a number of uh, what we would call mile markers along the way of history. And um, I've 
over the number of presentations on this, I've made a timeline so that we can actually see, you know, the different meanings of the word, and we've got this, and so that follows, and that helps, uh, that helped me to understand it, to, to get that timeline. Uh, but since uh, we don't have a visual here to use on the timeline, <laughs> yeah. uh, we talked about in our last... I can pull out my whiteboard, but no one's going to miss that one. Don't adjust your dial. Uh, so, uh, Tyndale was the one in a translation of the Bible in English that really broke the ice on this and used a French background word, rapentier. Yes. That's, that's so what time frame to, would that fit in? Because what, Tyndale is pre-Reformation. That's, that's before yes. we officially detached from... Yeah. What was known as the Church of Rome, we'll just say, so we don't name names. Right. Well, let's just say the King James translation, which was a massive work that was done, that was done in the 16th, turn of the 1600s, okay? Yes. So Tyndale preceded that. Mm -hmm. Tyndale was uh, executed as a heretic for his translation. The primary one of the one of the primary translation key issues was his translation of the word metanoia, in which he chose to use something that was different than the Latin Fathers' Vulgate translation of the word repent metanoia, and and they used the word for penitentia for the translation. He used the word that was created at, at common at his time, rapentier. And that was extremely offensive and it was heretical because it changed the shade of the meaning. So Now, as yeah, we're talking ahead. about Bible translation here, I mm -hmm. think it's important that we say that there is no perfect translation out there. Mm -hmm. And um, the, the original is the perfect. Mm -hmm. um, the Latin Vulgate was a um, a translation of the Bible that had errors. Uh, one of them being specific uh, that led to a series of of anti-Semitism that uh, Jews had horns because of a faulty translation that when uh, Moses came down, his face was glowing when he was in the presence of God. It actually said that Moses had horns. And so for a long time, uh, the we'll change the name to Holy Church, believed mm -hmm. that uh, Jews had horns and uh, on top of some other things. Mm -hmm. um, so even today, um, even though we get very close to the originals, something like 97% accuracy um, as they're discovering more and more ancient texts and old texts and you know um, the uh, 7q5 uh, uh, was you know just recently just you know looked at and discovered uh, from uh, being part of the uh, caves of Qumran and in finding first Timothy texts and, and mark texts and and so it's just really affirming our understanding of scripture but none of them really got a hundred percent accurate um, and, and it is, it does have human errors and part of it is just translating from one language to another. And so that's what we're really going to head on today is the big error of this idea of not truly defining this word that has changed 
really theology as we're looking yeah. at it today in yeah. a way. Well, I think it goes, uh, uh, and I agree what you're saying in that. And we as people have all the same thing in common as the writers of the time of Jesus, as the Reformation, pre-Reformation, post-Reformation writers. We all have the same issues as humans. Mm -hmm. All men have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all have a tendency to see things the way we want to. And oftentimes we base our understanding of things on what we already know or presume that we know. And there is the problem because words mean one thing to us. And so we think that's what it means to everybody else. And so uh, before the Reformation took place, which was a major mile marker and the development of the word, and I I would agree here that uh, with what I've read is that Tyndale was a groundbreaker in this with his translation of Metanoia plus other concepts that got were brought into the issue based on defining what the Bible said. Uh, the pre before the Reformation took place, before Tyndale wrote his translation, salvation. I have a quote here for us. Uh, salvation is wrought, they thought certainly by divine pardon. Uh, In other words, everybody would say, of course, God has to pardon you. And by the way, even in in other religions, God, or who was called God, has the last say and put the finger on the scale one way or another, he's going to call the shots on what your eternity is going to be. For those who believe in that. Yeah, there's no assurance of salvation not at in all. other religions. No, not at all. What really defines Christianity is that Jesus Christ yeah. has said, when you are saved, I give you, you have in your possession eternal currently life. Yeah. eternal life. Mm-hmm. Well, there are some Christian, <laughs> some Christian groups who believe that what you just said is a heresy. Yeah. Okay. So, as they a matter of fact, themselves as Christians. yeah, they define themselves as Christians, and they would say, if you know, you know, you have eternal life. That in itself is a sin of presumption, and therefore you're guilty of a mortal sin, and therefore you do not have eternal life. Mm. So this is again going back to how significant this view of, cha- of the change of mind uh, and how we define repent and other words uh, that that define what we believe. What we believe is basically a series of definitions. And so they thought that, yeah, sure, God has to pardon, but it was on the ground of repentance using the uh, Latin Father's definition of that, self-amendment before God. Mm. Self-amendment before God. I'm just reading their quotation. Mm -hmm. Not apparently on the ground of the death of Christ alone. In other words, it's Christ plus self-amendment. It goes to your discipleship. Are you being a faithful disciple? If you cease being a faithful disciple of Christ, then you are not going to go to heaven. Hmm. If you have an, you turn away, you have a failure in your life, you become apostate, then you're not going to go to heaven. So... You have to understand that this is with the broad context, all these things now... Which stands bold-facedly against what we believe, which is not of works, lest any man should boast. Yeah, you know, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and I've used that many times, but I've had people tell me that, that yeah, that says that, but... Yeah, but it means this. <laughs> but this is what it means. So, again, listen, 
you and and uh, I know what you guys uh, believe. I've heard it, and you know what I believe. So we're here basically in agreement. Uh, but uh, I know there's a lot of people that are not, and there are is confusion on this. And how could there not be confusion? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you use the words that are used even in defining, I didn't get into that earlier with you on the 10 different definitions that I presented for repent. Repentance is defined often using these words, contrition, confession, and performing acts of penance. This was what was the standard view. All of these applied. You must be contrite. You must confess you must confess your sins one to another. You must perform prescribed acts of penance. And that would be someone in an authority would tell you what you needed to do in order to be forgiven for whatever it was or thing that you were doing. And you'd be accountable for that. All of this was a part of what was taught at a period of time in the organized churches around the world. Okay, so that's and, a big And even deal. though that sounds like... Holiness, right? Yeah, it does. Well, that's um, what they're saying. We, we could say that that also goes against what the Lord has called us to in Matthew chapter 6. Where yeah. He says, you know, when you are talking to the Lord and fasting, and you are feeling bad about something you may have done, wash yourself. Don't put on sackcloth. Don't wear a bad face. You know, come with joy. You know, because... because the Lord your God is is talking to you, and you're saved, and and you're forgiven, and and really Jesus is, mm-hmm. you know, when when he was approached by the Pharisees' disciples and John's disciples, and they said, "Why don't your disciples fast?" His answer was, "Because the bridegroom is here. Mm. This is a time for joy. Right. And no one should be sad." And right. so this idea of contriteness is really kind of getting back to a Pharisaical system. Mm-hmm. Which ahead, was sorry. which? No, no, that's great, and and that's what the Latin fathers took. Uh, we call them the Latin fathers. Uh, again, the common language Latin, and uh, they wrote and influenced a lot of the thought that became uh, one of the uh, largest groups in the world today. And so, uh, when they translated these terms, metanoia, metanoia and metanoia, uh, they reflected their theological bias. They translated those terms as penitentium agite and penitentia. What that meant was to do acts of penance mm-hmm. or to do. Now, remember, this is to do acts of penance. This is not a, a mind thing. It's actually an acts that you were required to do. And in both cases, you had to do acts. They were assumption. It was an action, an action you do to do something. And that's what the Bible often, and Paul was clear to say, it's either of work, something you do, mm-hmm. or it's of faith, something that's not what you do, but you believe. And so there's a separation in the Gospels, particularly in John, of believing. As a matter of fact, and in the, in the, you know, in the Gospel of John, how many times does the word metanoia come oh, up? Oh, many times, all of zero. <laughs> <laughs> right. In other words, one of the books that's used the most to lead people to Christ over the years, John 3.16, John 5.24. Uh, John 6.47. John 6.47, simplest verse in the Bible. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he who believes has. on me has yeah. everlasting life, possesses now. It's so clear that what... what we're talking about you again you have to look at this in the in the context of what's being used as opposed to people who would be needing to hear 
For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Salvation is the gift of God. It is not of works, lest any man should boast. How much How much? Romans 4, 5, and 6, Abraham... Uh, Abraham was saved not by what he did, but by what he believed. Abraham believed, and it was accounted Counted to him as righteousness. As righteousness. Very good. I'm, it's great to see. Yeah, you guys know this. So, so this is the thing in here that so, came. So up. Tyndale got himself into trouble in the pre-Reformation time yeah. with the Latin fathers. Yeah, it and another his ultimate death. Death, and then we have Luther. Yeah, in the in a in a group that believed. And there's a little bit of background there because mm-hmm. what they started adding to this acts of penitence or mm-hmm. repentance was the fact that you could purchase your repentance and that of your family in order to help them as, uh, I forget the, the name of the famous... Indul- uh, indulgences. Yeah, no, but the oh. the famous one that came up with the poem, uh, When a Coffer in, yeah. in the... Uh, when a Coin in the coffer rings yep. a soul from uh, hell springs. Right. Yeah. Um, and so that was Tetzel, kind of what Tetzel set, was the one who was, wasn't Tetzel? Was Tetzel, the one? yes. Yeah. And so that's kind of what set off Luther in his development of, hey, you know, this isn't anything that I've ever seen in the New Testament or really in the Old Testament. Where is this coming from, this, this whole concept? Mm-hmm. And he began developing his own system of study i guess you'd say because it wasn't out right. there and um we kind of sure. come to the reformation view right yeah and that's and then we'd see in here uh, basically we have the main players of that time and of course calvin and luther are two of them and uh both of them uh in their con- final conclusion was is that the word metanoia um was it retained in its classical sense classical greek a change of mind. Uh, salvific repentance, according to Calvin and Luther, was a change of mind whereby one recognized his own sinfulness and a need for forgiveness, a need of forgiveness. Now, recognizing where we are before God is definitely a part of change of mind. You got to say when you're changing from something, why are you changing yeah. from something? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wait, and, what's the point? Why are we doing this? Yeah. yeah. And so, and what is it that's being what is it on the other side of that decision? What is it that you're changing to believe? And to believe means to not just, you're not intellectually making a decision here. You are saying, I'm going to put my eternal soul on the line on this. Because if it's not this and it's this, then I go over here and it's by faith alone, in Christ alone, then I am putting my total you know, faith in Christ and not in yeah. myself. That's right. And so um, it's a, for many people that's just uh, that's too hard for them, and it goes against their quote religious teaching. So this is why the uh, they turned in faith to God to provide uh, forgiveness in Christ. In essence, then Luther and Calvin both they both viewed salvific repentance as an initial part of saving faith. In other words, that this change of mind go back to acts chapter 238 as you did you brother what must we do well he said you need to change and believe and so they saw that that happened at one one point in time okay and we saw it wasn't an amendment from a lifestyle or whatever it was it was a belief a core belief system where you change your core belief system to believe in christ okay 
So what the Reformation did was it added a new view of what's called salvific or salvation repentance. Calvin taught that all sins were forgiven at the point of conversion. Ah, now mm. here is the trouble. That means all sins were forgiven the moment you believe Christ paid for them when? On the cross of Calvary. On the cross of Calvary. Yeah. So that meant that when you trusted Christ, all of your sins were forgiven. Now, what about sins of the future? Calvin believed that all, that no, that the Bible is saying clearly here that all of your sins are forgiven. Colossians 2.13. Uh, they were nailed on his cross. Everything that was written against us was nailed to his cross. Past, present, and future. Yes, because we, at the time they Christ was nailed on the cross, where were you? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah we're a long way from the gleam in the eye right yes um and so uh so that was the case so that and, and that's that's what the, the scripture says paul said you know if if in sin if in adam i mm-hmm. sinned right if in adam i was part of in that you know mm-hmm. uh this better adam which is the christ you know he forgave all in the same way and and that's where also the writer of hebrews he 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 just builds up that there is this better 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 one better melchizedek better uh priest better than all why because jesus after he did his sacrifice one and for all he sat down at the right hand of god Mm -hmm. and so um yeah our 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 forgiveness came Mm -hmm. at the cross of calvary well, so, so this progressive idea that we're talking about, this was still being hammered out to clarify because of this strong argument that was going mm-hmm. on two systems, one based on basically works, the other one based on only faith. And Calvin, at this time, he, he declared that penance, penance was unnecessary for the forgiveness of post-baptismal sins. Again, they're still looking at baptism as being a part of it. So there's still a baptismal issue. Do you have mm-hmm. to be baptized? Okay, mm-hmm. so that's another one. And that the New Testament metanoia referred to a change of mind whereby one recognizes his sinfulness and need of forgiveness in Christ. So we see something developing here where it's starting to become clarified and being taught out in, uh, through these different teachers. Uh, and then the, through the church that that was going to um, uh, maybe help people see the truth. And of course, Luther thought that people that were he was involved with, where they were going to be enlightened and go, oh yeah, look at what, that's what the scripture says. Mm-hmm. But then he saw that the scripture was being interpreted through councils and not through the meanings of the words. And we see the Reformation burst out at this yeah. point. Let the Bible speak well yeah yeah maybe we it's a good thing to be in now maybe we just need to let the bible speak <laughs> yeah on for it. sure yeah yeah so uh so since that time we've now had a number of new things that have come up and these groups fall into uh a number of things before a person can be saved uh one of them is there's this one okay uh turning away from sin have you ever heard this? You got to turn away from sin. That's right. Mm-hmm. Those holding to this view consider that salvific repentance to be the actual turning away from one's sins, and not merely a willingness or intention to do so. And this is where Cody, you get into that guy you were talking to in our first uh, message there, and I've talked to many in this group. 
He would tell an alcoholic, uh, in order for you to become a Christian, you'd have to stop getting drunk first. That would be a yeah. sign of your repentance. I think, and uh, Charlie Bing brings up a great point, is uh, how much, really, how much repentance, how much works, then, is God demanding yeah. in, the, in that? You know, and that's the question we need to ask. If an alcoholic goes from drinking 15 beers a day to drinking two, right. is that enough? And who, who sets that standard? Yeah. Yeah. You know. So, and we see that there's a this this is this is really when we start looking at the things we're talking about right now. This is something that's been debated for a long time. Mm-hmm. We got lots of references, lots of references. Yeah. So there. we're going from the post Reformation into the Reformation into the Reformation and following the and now following the Reformation yeah. into um, really up to modern time. Well, look yeah. at the next one here is: Are you willing to stop sinning? Mm. Not that you did stop sinning, or you've turned away. Are you willing to stop sinning? And uh, and I'd like to ask, you know, how many people that are believers that are you willing to stop sinning? How many times have you talked to someone who's sinning? And we go, you know, what are yeah. you going to do? Yeah. So are we talking about sinning in action in life? We're talking about a child's actions of disobedience. Are we talking about uh, idolatry? What are we saying in this? And again, if we don't say and make clear people will not know how to respond. They won't mm-hmm. know what we're talking about. We're saying one thing, they're saying another. Mm-hmm. Okay? They would tell an alcoholic that in order to become a Christian, he would have to be willing to stop getting drunk. Mm. Okay? I've heard this numerous times. They would stop short of saying that he actually had to stop drinking before he could get saved. Yeah. And again, gazillions of people that, you know, that are holding this position. And then another one that's being taught today is the change of thinking. Some Protestants suggest that salvific repentance does not involve turning from one's sins or even the willingness to do it. Rather, they argue that repentance is a change of mind where a person recognizes his sinfulness and need of salvation and sees, now we're going to get to it. We haven't talked about him very much. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Okay. We're talking about all this other stuff. See, but it's Jesus. John says, so, "He that has Jesus has yeah. life." So in <laughs> go, all these other, go there. In all these other views of repentance, yeah, we're giving somebody something to do. Mm-hmm. In this final view of repentance, it takes away something to do, and it points the one to the one that did something. Someone. Yes. Other than you. Exactly. Which it's is not, Jesus Christ. There you go. He took our sins on the cross. Yeah. And he said, it is finished. There you go. Remember Rev Sellers used to tell us that um, when you're presenting the gospel, don't ever have some, don't ever have that person to do something. Yeah. But to believe in something. Yeah. And like, to this day, I, that's the way I do it. Don't ever have some someone do something when you're presenting the gospel, but have them to believe in something. Yep, and I and listen. I know we're all in agreement on this, and and uh, it just says here. In order, how should we use this word and and be biblically accurate? Always use the best word. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know you guys try to do that. We try to choose the best word to be precise. Again, clarification, exegetical truth. What does the scripture say? Take it out and use it. And uh, and then the other thing, John, we were talking about was context, right? I mean, context is. You know, so Key. important. Context, 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 context. Yeah, <laughs> and which which gives people uh, kind of like a place to hang their hat when they when they get in to believe. You know, 
and um, do not alter the gospel in order to accommodate a contemporary vocabulary. And so, Cody, I think that uh, kind of uh, we we've can't kind of gone a big turn all the way around from the we have long gone time. from uh, Old Testament, yeah, Old New Testament, Testament, New Testament, yeah. and through the generations on repentance. Yeah. I got a question. Um, when it comes, you mentioned this, Pastor Chip, a little, a little while ago. When it comes to um, the, the Gospel of John, the word repentance is not used not even once. Metanoia is not used. Metanoia. Yep. Mm-hmm. What do you say to people who say that's an argument from silence? You know, they try to throw that at us when they when we present that. If if I know, here's my here's my thought on that. Yes, yeah. my thought, opinion only on this. If John gave the gospel thoroughly in his in his writing, which his purpose was to present from the divine view of who Christ was, the Word who became flesh. In the very first chapter, he says, And the word became flesh, and we beheld his glory. He said, First, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. But then, as many as received them, he said he gave them the ability to become children of God. Mm-hmm. See, I'm not looking for a reformed life. Now, now listen to this. I'm not list- looking to a reformed life that I've made better in order for me to be accepted by God. I look at a God who gave his son in a perfect form, who died for all of my imperfections. And he said, he declares me on the basis of my receiving him by faith. He makes me his child forever. Mm -hmm. John's theme throughout that, he starts it in the beginning, goes all the way through the Gospel of John. He said many other things Jesus did are written in these books. And that's where I was going to kind of surmise that, is I would say that it's not a uh, a speech from silence or however we want to yeah. put it. No, it's because of the point that John was trying to make for his book. And he says it. He says it flat out in John 20, mm-hmm. 30 and 31. He says, Therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these things have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in mm. his name. I think that surmises the book of John right there. It just lets us know his point of writing is for people to believe. And yeah. the change of mind that is akin to believing is John's intent all along and he's accurate in that of course he is god gave us that well um pastor chip i appreciate i got more questions questions. (laughs) no just but uh i just want to say uh, we appreciate you coming in and doing this and um are you okay if we make your notes uh, available to anyone that uh, should write in and request them? Sure. All right. So you have them, any of so. uh, the study notes, um, you can go ahead and for the uh, one-time uh, price of zero uh, ninety-nine, <laughs> uh, free ninety-nine. Um, no, just joking. Uh, but we can go ahead and forward those notes to you digitally. Um, and uh, just so you can further your own studies and, mm-hmm. and also we don't want to have anything hidden we don't want people to think that we're just coming up with this stuff everything comes from one source which is scripture that's right John do you have anything to add or questions I know you have some questions I wanted to get into Jonah okay when it talks about 
you know, repenting there. Mm-hmm. And I, I know the one of the, I know we, we got, we're short on time here, but. Um, Wait, we have about 10 minutes. If, if we can maybe we, keep it at do you wanna, 10 minutes. You want to head there? We can try. So, um, what's your view on, because I know, so, you know, there's a couple um, guys in the free grace camp, they think that. That they were that they were the repentance there means repent from physical destruction. It doesn't, and some people take it to the other view is that they were coming to to faith in in, in God. What, what, how do you see that, in Jonah? Well, do we need to revisit the passage? No, I know. I know. Okay, thanks. No, thank you. I, I, I do remember it. Uh, the Ninevites. Right. The, the question Ninevites. was the Ninevites. They were an enemy of Israel. They were. And God used the enemies of Israel to be chastening instruments mm-hmm. to, against his wayward people. In other words, a big time spanking that they would get, okay? So that they would shuv, turn around. Yes. And go back because they were under a contract with God. Israel was under a contract with God, a covenant with God. And if you do these things, you'll be blessed. You don't do these things you'll be cursed. And one of those curses was God would send enemies against them and pestilence and all kinds of things. And those things would be designed to get them to recognize that what they are doing is wrong and turn them back around as a nation of people from the top all the way to the bottom and become uh, in line with God's covenant that he made with them. Mm -hmm. He told them, these are the things you're going to do. They did a lot of things wrong and did it consistently. Now, that's a picture also of believers today. A lot of times we do things wrong. Mm-hmm. But they're under a different time uh, if, of having the Holy Spirit uh, living inside of them. Well, they didn't have that. Mm-hmm. Okay, they're, they're, the, sanct- the body had not yet been uh, uh, consecrated because Christ had not yet come and died so that the Holy Spirit could live inside of the human. Uh, this would only happen after Christ's death, and that's when the Holy Spirit came day of Pentecost he came that didn't happen back then Mm -hmm. and so but what happened was we're dealing with the Ninevites and God told Jonah the reluctant prophet okay I have a message I want you to go tell the Ninevites this so Jonah's thinking these people are enemies you know God let God judge them I'm waiting for him to judge them but God said I have a plan he said these people don't even know what they're doing is wrong and I want you to be a missionary to them and he didn't want to do that. So first off, he didn't want to do it. And he found lots and lots of reasons not to do what God wanted him to do. But for some reason, he went and ended up doing it. And even in his attempt to escape, he, the, the ship he was on was going to another place. The fish, he swallows them, takes them back to the place he wanted them to be. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he says, no, 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 you're not going to get out of this. So when he, what, what bugged him was that if the people would turn, the Ninevites that were not under contract with God, had no covenant with God, God was offering them a deal. I've got a deal for you, God said to them. You guys are wicked and you are so wicked. In other words, there's so wickedness. If you will change yourself, if you, right now your judgment's coming, I'm going to destroy you. Right. Okay. But if you change your habits, your practices, your idolatry, if you change what you're doing, I will withhold the judgment. And that's what they did. They changed their mind. They never entered into a relationship. God didn't have a system of sacrifices and and, uh, and a priesthood and so forth within them. They weren't going to become Jews. Right. That had nothing to do 
It had to do with their enemies, and God was going to judge the enemies of God. Yeah. And he said, here's your deal. And it's basically take it or leave it. Jonah was hoping they would leave it. Yes. <laughs> and so he gets out there, and he sits up. I'm going to watch this. This is finally we're going to get back to these evil people that have been just unbelievably vile against us. And he says, I'm going to go back and watch God do it. And when God withheld his judgment, he got angry again. And he got mistaken. So that's my take on the yeah. passage. It's all about that particular aspect. So the consequence of them repenting yep. was they saved from physical destruction. Saved from physical destruction. Not saved going to heaven or hell. It has nothing to do with that. That's like you know. Because some people divide. take that kind yeah, of they yeah, take yeah, that view, yeah. but you know. But it's funny because both are actually present within this the context of this passage. Um, if you look at Jonah 3.10, it says, God saw their actions that they had turned, and that would be uh, the shoe, right? Shoe. And they turned from their evil ways, yep. so God relented. He relented. Which is the word, when <laughs> And it is the other idea of, of repenting. of mind. Mm -hmm. God repented yeah. after he saw their repentance yeah. of action. He yeah. repented of his own mind. Right. And that was what we started this conversation That's with yeah. in our last podcast. There you go. Well... Pastor Chip again, unless John's going to ask another question. I have more, but I know we got to go. <laughs> yeah. Pastor Chip, we definitely appreciate your time here yeah, um, and uh, just spending time with you this this entire weekend. Yeah, we had a great weekend, yeah, especially weekend Sunday at church. Yeah. church was unbelievable. The King's Christian yeah. uh, grandparents. Oh, man. Was awesome, yes. too. Yes. Yeah, great, great day. So, um, but we appreciate your sure. hard work on this and just your time of study in this uh, idea sure. of repentance. It should be in a journal, I think, in my opinion. Yes, yes. Yeah. And um, any any last words as we sign off? No, I just hope that anybody that might be listening would understand this: that the the main the main part of what we're trying to make clear is that God loves you. He already knows what you've done. He knows who you are. He knows your hidden thoughts. He knows my hidden thoughts. Um, he knew him, and he knew you before you were ever born. So there's nothing that God doesn't know. You can't hide from him. He knows you. You don't need to hide from him. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. There's a condition called being lost. Mm. If you're lost, you're not saved, okay? And if you're saved, you're not lost. So God looks to you as the lost, and he wants to have you saved. And what he did was he took the things that would make you lost, and he took it on himself. And he took the thing that would make you saved, that would be perfect righteousness of Jesus, he put on you. It's, it's called the great exchange. And that exchange is something that you receive, you decide. You make a decision. Do you want Christ? Do you want Christ? Do you want to trust him? Do you want him living inside of you? He's made this available, and that's what his desire is, but he's not going to force himself on you. You have to want him. And if you want him, then you, you take him. You take him how? By faith. Someone wants to give you a gift, you take the gift. And God says the wages of sin is death. You already have that. He says, but the gift of God is eternal life, but not in you.
not in your church. It's in Jesus Christ. He that has the Son has life. He that does not have the Son does not have life. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son. Whosoever believes in him will not perish. For God did not send the Son into the world, his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save it. Mm -hmm. He that believes is not condemned. He that believeth not, listen, is condemned already. You're either saved or you're lost. And when you recognize that you're lost, get saved. Trust Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining the Transform 365 podcast, a ministry dedicated to helping you grow in relationship to Christ. If you want to know more, find us at transform365.com or on our church website, www.swcc.org, located in Miami, Florida. Until next time, remember, the only work in grace is to let grace work in you. God bless.